This is the Baymall Podcast with Marty Salmon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, Marty is leading us in a special conversation that means a lot to him personally. And so I won't have much to say beyond this introduction. This conversation around language is meant to help us consider one of the things God is inviting us to as we partner with him to put the world back together. I'll be listening along to put whatever comes up in the show notes. But otherwise, without further ado, I leave it to Marty to ponder this question. How do we make it back to Eden? Hey, everybody. I uh, just wanted to do a special episode today. And um, this conversation is um, it's, it's meaningful to me. And it, it it's, uh, I don't know what I would what I would call it, but I wanted to give this conversation special attention. And so I just I just wanted to sit here alone by myself and have a conversation with all of you. Um, I didn't want to have all the extracurriculars. I didn't want to worry about having to be, uh, you know, funny or cracking jokes. I just, I just want to sit down and have a conversation that means a lot to me. And you, you could think about this episode uh, as almost an interview with myself. Uh, it would fit in the categories. It's not a, it's not a, a part of our John series. This isn't, this isn't John verse by verse. This is more like an, like when we're having interviews on session six with different people. And only today, it's just an interview with me. And uh, so I wanted to do that. And to have this conversation, I want to go back to the Tower of Babel, like all the way back to session one. We have this conversation um, in the what we call the preface. And it's a, I'm, I'm going to read the whole story. All, what is it, nine verses? I'm going to read all nine verses. I don't have Brent with me today to do my reading, so you're stuck with me. Here we go. Genesis 11. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city, the tower that the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Now, if we just, uh, I'm not going to go through that lesson and teach it again. I'll have Brent uh, put in the show notes. Uh, he'll put a link to our original lesson all the way back years ago, uh, where we kind of examine this story from a literary perspective. But I just kind of want to back up today and look at this story. Like, if you were just to look at this story, what would you say this story is essentially about? A story is essentially about, uh, I'm looking at language. I see one language, many languages, uh, confusion being in the name of Babel. That's what Babel means, uh, confusion. And then uh, let's see what else. Do I, 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 I really see this idea of settling. I mean, that's just very prominent. Uh, we're told in verse 2 that they settled in the plain of Shinar. 
uh, we're told that they don't want to be scattered, verse 4, over the face of the whole earth. Um, we're told, uh, let's see here. We're told in verse, uh, what is it, verse 6, that the Lord scatters them from all over the, the whole earth. Maybe that was verse, no, it was verse 6. And then, uh, and then again at verse 9, just to kind of make the point and double down on that. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole. So there is definitely, there's a sense of settling and the sense of scattering. They're about to settle. They want to settle. God does not want them to settle. And so God scatters. And that's related to this idea of languages, one language, many languages, it's the many languages that causes them to scatter. And this fits. And I remember in our original episode, we talked about the chiasm. There's a chiasm at play here. It's a very technical chiasm. It has to do with the consonants. Rabbi Foreman's done a great teaching on this. But there's essentially the same four consonants that are kind of used in the same you know, repetitious order. And then that same order reverses itself on the backside of the chiasm, and those same four consonants go the other direction. So it's a very technical chiasm. You can see it even thematically. We talk about it in the episode. I don't want, I don't want to go over all that. But the chiasm itself points to the idea of settling and being scattered. God does not want them to settle. And this story is one of the last stories in what we called the preface. We called the Ch- Genesis chapters 1 through 11, back in session 1, if you remember, we called this the preface. It was the setup to God's story. And this kind of capstone story to the preface fits in a lot of ways all the other stories that we find in Genesis 1 through 11, there are very similar themes. And I'm not just talking about the chiasm that we went over in the podcast. I mean, if you think about it, the, the story of Adam and Eve ends with uh, a, 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 an angel, a cherubim with a flaming sword guarding the way to the tree of life because, God says, if they eat for, they can't eat from the tree of life or they're going to they're gonna stay. They're going to stay in this state, this Predicament, and so God has to keep them from. You could say, in a lot of ways, settling. The next story is the story of Cain and Abel, and what is Cain condemned to do? He's condemned to wander. He's not allowed to settle, and yet he's going to try to fight that. He's going to settle. He's going to build a city for his son. He's going to try to settle down, but the curse of God is that he he wanders. Um, we we talk about the the fact that everywhere we go, that the people keep moving. That they're moving eastward. And now here they are, they've moved eastward, they found the plain of Shinar, and now they try to settle again, and God, so these stories, they're very similar. God does not want his people to settle. And I think, in my opinion, the reason why God's doing that is God's saying, I don't want them, they can't get, we can't settle until we redeem this story. Everything's been broken, twisted, made crooked. Everything's been disrupted. Shalom has been disturbed. And we can't settle in a disturbed, destruct, uh, destroyed state. We have to make our way back to shalom. And until we find our way back to shalom in its fullness, we can't settle. So you can't eat from the tree of life. If you eat from the tree of life now, you're going to be stuck in this state of sinfulness, this state of separation or rebellion. So you can't eat from the tree. I got, I got to guard you from the tree of life. I can't let you settle in the land of Nod, Cain. I can't let you settle in the plain of Shinar, everybody. I can't let you settle here. I need to get you back to the garden, but you can't get back to the garden until you've gone through a process of redemption. 
God wants to get his people back to the garden. Like if we just pause this discussion and look ahead into the New Testament, something I very, 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 very rarely do. But if you look ahead of the New Testament, the whole story in the New Testament ends in the book of Revelation back in the garden. God is trying to get his story and his people back to the garden. But when they get back to the garden, they are going to need to be changed, whole, redeemed. And until they experience that redemption, God says, I can't let you settle. I can't let you settle away from the garden, nor can I let you get back to the garden until we are ready to get back to the garden. And so when you look at these stories, you can see things like curses, Adam and Eve, the serpent, here are these curses. God tells the serpent he's going to crawl on his belly. Uh, tells Adam he's going to work the ground and then tells the woman that she's going to have pain and child labor and her desire will be for her husband, but her husband will rule over her. And we've done all kinds of things with these these passages. And yet, uh, I remember, I mean, Josh Basset, uh, man, he, he wrote me an, an incredible document years and years ago before long before he was a part of Bema or anything that we're doing here. And he he had looked at some of the Jewish tradition and he had examined the story of the curse. And he said, man, I feel like the curse is almost like a roadmap back. It's not just a curse. Like if you look at it one way, it's a curse. But if you look at it from the other direction, it's actually a roadmap, a roadmap back to the garden. And I thought, man, that's really good. But that feels, man, that's, can I trust Josh? Feels a little crazy. And then I remember Foreman coming out with his book and Brent can put it in the show notes, the, uh, uh, the beast that crouches at the door. And I remember a part of that book essentially saying the same thing that Josh said from the tradition of the sages and the rabbis, this idea that the woman's desire, that word for desire is the word teshuka, that she's been designed she was taken out of man. Her whole design is to, there is this complementary, there's this other half of humanity that she is, and yet man is going to push against that. He's going to try to rule over her. And so not only is this a curse, it's also the roadmap, the roadmap back because the rabbi said, if Adam will realize, if the man will realize that he is not at odds with the woman, but she is actually his other half. If he will realize that she is actually the two of them together, that's the blessing. That's the wholeness. If he'll realize that, well, they'll, well, then they can make it back. That's when they'll be ready to make it back to the garden. And you can do this with the stories of Genesis 1 through 11, the stories of the preface. There are these moments of curse, but yet those same curses also seem to be almost pointing a way back to wholeness. And in the very same way here in the story of, of, of Babel, the Tower of Babel, you have really the same thing. It was Foreman, I remember learning this idea from where he said that there's no curse in the story of the Tower of Babel. Actually, when you read the story, there's nowhere in the story where the Lord judges the people for what they're trying to do, where he's angry or, or any, all, all that happens is they, 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 they're experiencing some sense of unity. They're experiencing some sense of cohesion, and, and they start to use that unity and use that cohesion to settle. And yes, they, they have some, some interesting motivations. They want to make a name for themselves. They, they're trying to take the story somewhere that may or may not be a part of what God wants to do in the story. 
but but they are experiencing togetherness and and because of that they're able to do incredible things and that's actually what God sees God looks at this building project and says if we don't do something well well they're going to be able to accomplish anything and right now I can't let them accomplish anything cuz right now they're a broken distorted rebellious sinful mess they're they're not redeemed yet they're not ready to get back to the tree of life. And I don't want them to settle out here in the plain of Shinar. I want them to get back to Eden. And so God says, I, I have to, there's no judgment. There's no curse. There's no anger. God simply looks at this building project. And says, this is incredible. They're going to do, they're going to be able to do anything. And I need to stop this because we, we can't let them do anything right now. Right now, they haven't grown enough. And so what Foreman says when he looks at the story is he says what's interesting is that God, it's not a, it's not a curse of judgment or a pronouncement of, uh, of anger and consequences. It's simply God says, I'm going to mess up your language because you'll never be able to work together unless you learn how to speak each other's language. And if you're not willing to speak each other's languages, like like they are, and they're not ready to do that in the story, they they're confused, they they're undeveloped, they're we might say primitive or a barbaric version of humanity, whatever we might say, they're not ready for that, and so they scatter. But there's also this unspoken invitation in this story too, as if God's saying, "Okay, so you scattered and you built your tribes and you built your own." identities, and eventually those become nations and countries, and now we have flags, and we get together for Olympics, and we all try to, like, be better than the others, and, like, you can you can do that, but if you ever decide, if you ever decided that you wanted to work together, you're going to have to learn to speak each other's language, and it becomes this picture of the path to redemption. If you ever want to make it back to Eden, it could be that what God's saying here is if you ever want to make it back to Eden, you're going to have to learn how to listen to each other. Because what does it mean? What does it mean to learn another language? If you want to learn another language, right now I'm, I don't know, what am I, two years into learning, you know, in a more formal sense, learning biblical Hebrew. And I've learned Greek. I remember taking three years of Spanish when I was in high school. A lot of us are motivated by all kinds of different things, future vacations or travels, or maybe we have a family member that goes to another country and we, we become motivated to, you, to, to learn another language. So if you really want to learn a new language, you really have to go through a process of emptying yourself. You, you have nothing to start this process. You, you, you don't get to like, it's not like you can hold on to all this stuff that you know and just kind of add a little bit of new, like to learn a new language, you have to completely like submit yourself to a brand new world, a brand new paradigm, a brand new set of rules, language rules, language parameters, you really go back to square one where you know zero, nothing, and start from. And so to learn a new language, inherent, inherent in learning a new language is a, a certain level of what, what I might call curiosity. If you're not willing to be curious, you're never going to learn a new language. You have You have to assume curiosity. You have to at least be willing to say, Okay, I'm going to trust this process. I'm going to learn what this is and what this looks like. If you if if it's more than just a class, like listen, when I when I took 3 years of Spanish in high school, I was a class. It was a requirement to get ready to get into college. 
when I took Greek, that was a requirement for the degree programs that I was in. Even now, as I learn Hebrew, I'm motivated. I may be more motivated to learn Hebrew than I ever had with any other language study. But some of the stuff that's most motivating to learn a new language is when it's not connected to a requirement or or even just a, a hobby or a desire to learn something new. When it's connected to people, like the the thing that drives us to do maybe the most thorough and most maybe the most enjoyable language learning is when you have people that you're trying to learn how to speak a language for or with or amongst. And then in that process, not only is there a level of curiosity, and then it's not just academic curiosity. It's not just educational learning. At that point, it is a it's it's an it's an interpersonal curiosity. And that's because it's also connected to empathy. Like if you're trying to learn a new language with people that you know, if, you, if you're trying to relate to a new people group that you care about, for whatever reason, your child marries somebody from another culture or, 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 or God calls you to go live in Europe and now you need to learn you know, French or whatever it is, when it's connected to people and the people that you're going to shop with and eat with and talk with and build relationships and friendships with, th- there is an element of curiosity and empathy curiosity and empathy that drive that process. Do you see? Do you see why God might say in Genesis 1 through 11, this this is the key. This is the roadmap. This is the ticket back to Eden. If we're going to experience redemption, we're going to have to restore relationships. And it's going to be real difficult to get back to Eden, if we have a whole list of tribal enemies that we don't talk to, enemy groups that we scapegoat and say, well, that whole monolithic group is all this. And it's really hard for me to make that decision that that group of that enemy group of mine is all X, Y, and Z. If I don't even understand the language they speak, I don't even understand them at all. I have to be able to understand and I have to be curious. And if there's any, if there's any seeds of love in that process, I, I'm, I'm empathetic. I want to connect with them. There's an empathy that draws me into the process. I want to, I think we know this inherently. I don't think I'm having to convince you that can hear my voice. Hopefully we're just putting words to stuff we we know are true, curiosity and empathy. If God can do anything to 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 show us, man, just think about the United States of America, the Western world in 2022 AD. Just think about how badly we need to learn how to be curious and empathetic. We're so bad at this. Social media has made this unbelievably, horrifically just, uh, oh, it's sickening. We're, we're all right. We all have opinions. We, we have no sense of hospitality, conversational hospitality or, 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 or graciousness. We, the, the fruits of the Spirit are long gone. We, we just, we, we have parties we belong to, tribes that we find our identity in. We, we have groups of people that share the same interest and share the same identity. We, we, have, we have whole people that we, we follow. We follow people on Twitter. We follow this group. We follow that topic. We follow that issue. Everything is about 
which group I belong to and how right I am. And it's the, it's the antithesis of curiosity and empathy. We're simply not a curious people. We're not curious because we know. We're not curious because we're convinced that we were curious enough and we did all the research and now we have an opinion and that opinion is good enough. I don't have to be curious anymore. I just get to have an opinion. But curiosity is connected to humility. And humility is so important. It makes that list in Micah. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of thee? But to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly. What is that? Humility? Mercy? Empathy? hard-baked into the design and the desires of God. And so, of course, of course God would say, I cannot let them settle here because they have not learned. They have not matured as a people. They are not ready to find the Garden of Eden again because they are not redeemed. And in order to, re- and in order to experience redemption, and I'm not taking anything away from salvation and atonement. I'm not taking anything away from the cross and the empty tomb. That's not what I'm talking about right here. I'm talking about our own, the salvation that Paul says to work out with fear and trembling, our own sanctification, our own development, our own growth, our own spiritual maturity. Of course, God would say, I'm just going to mess up their languages because I'm trying to teach them selflessness. I'm trying to teach them how to love their enemies. I'm trying to teach them how to love their neighbor. I'm trying to teach them how to... And they'll never do any of that stuff if they never learn how to be curious and empathetic, if they never learn, if they're not willing to learn how to speak anybody else's language. And, and, I'm, and yes, I'm talking about physical language, but I'm, I'm talking about so much more than that. And I, I think everybody realizes that I'm talking about worldviews. If I'm going to understand any other human being that sees the world differently than me at all for any reason – not just the bad reasons. There are people out there that see the world differently for good reasons. I hope we all know that. And if I ever am going to learn from that, I'm going to have to be curious. I'm going to have to be empathetic. I'm going to have to be humble. I'm going to have to realize that I could be wrong about some things. And I'm going to have to realize that I am certainly ignorant of all kinds of things. It's part of why I don't like to travel internationally, if I'm honest. Everybody thinks I'm a world traveler. I go to Israel. I go to Turkey. And the only reason I go there is because those places are normal to me. I've been there before. I've built relationships, and and I feel like I'm not just physically safe, but emotionally safe and intellectually. I, I can do this, I tell myself, but I don't like to go to anywhere new. I wouldn't want to go to Argentina. I don't want to get on a plane and fly to Kenya because I don't like going to places that I have to submit myself to this lack of control and a learning from, I don't like to go to a place where I'm ignorant. None of us do on some level, but it's the way back to the garden. It's the way, it's the way of redemption. It's the way of growth and of spiritual maturity. And I'm sure at this point in the conversation, I would hope, I think, probably there aren't a whole lot of us that are too worked up about this idea or upset. But it's why, in session six of the podcast, we have attempted to bring in other voices. We've wanted to hear from people that are different, not like me, not like us. And so we've added some people to the teaching team and 
and, and we've purposely added, like, the, say, a female voice to the teaching team. We've purposely added folks that see the world differently in a a, a, a more I'm a, what I might call a more philosophical paradigm from Reed Dent and 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 Josh is very thir- like we've added voices to the teaching team. We've also done all kinds of guest interviews. We wanted to hear from people, and, and we've wanted to share our platform. We, we want our platform to not just be something that we use for us or our agenda or our program, but we want to use our platform for something that we can share with others and be generous with it. What has God given us? One of the things he's given us is a podcast that a lot of you listen to, and I'm very thankful for that. That's a gift. That's a gift that God has given us to steward. And I want to be generous, just like I would want to be with any other gift that God has given me. I want to be generous. I want to find ways to share this gift with others. And so we have we, we do interviews, and, and I know, and, and we are entertaining an idea. I don't know what we'll do in the years to come. I think where we're at is going to carry us through 2022. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in 2023. There's a good chance that we might do a spinoff podcast where this podcast is basically just committed to, you know, verse by verse, you know, journeys through the text, exegesis, Bible study. It's what we do and it's what everybody loves. And I appreciate that. And I love that. And I thank you for all of that. And that's, that's beautiful. And, and we might take all of these interviews and all of these other things and these other spaces and, and other stuff that we do and topical conversations and what is truth or deconstruction or spiritual abuse and and take those things and, and move them to like a separate podcast feed. Maybe we'll do that. I do have to say that there's a slight level of irritation that um, not with you as listeners. No, 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 no. A slight irritation in our consumeristic mentality that has stuff that we like and stuff that we don't like. And, and after 200 some odd episodes to say, okay, let's go try to apply all this Bible stuff that we just learned. Let's go try to actually be better Christian folk that it was like, ah, can we just study the Bible more? Can we just do Jewish Bible stuff? And it's beautiful. And I love that. But I also want to make sure I'm listening to others because it's it's our way back to the garden. And so we've purposely shared our platform. And one of the things we've done not too long ago, we we did a, an interview with Eugenia Ortega, and we talked about her son and 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 the struggles of autism. And we listened to her just tell her story. We we shared uh, you know her own her own diary, her book of sorts that she has to share with others. And, and there, there were definitely some opinions of the right ways to talk about autism, the wrong ways. There's, there's always opinions, especially in this world. And, and opinions aren't bad. And for the most part, everybody shared those graciously. And, and, and it was beautiful. And, and everybody's not the same. And, and, and we all get that. But that conversation was navigated very well. And it was very well received. And by and large, everybody that listened to that you know, episode that, that gave us any feedback was like, man, wow. Man, that's hard. That I I heard our Eugenia's story, and that that's hard. And and and, it, and because we listened, listen to me, because we were curious and had some empathy, we we opened up, we grew, we 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 got to see the world through 
Well, the title of her book, we got to see through her window. And it made us better people because it made us not just more aware, it made us more empathetic. It made us more compassionate. It made us more merciful to listen and to care. And it helped us speak somebody else's language. I know she had a she had a thick accent, but we were we were all speaking English. But she had not just the physical language, she had she had another language of experience that she shared with us, and we got to learn how to speak a little bit of her language. And that's that 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 story was well received. We had Kevin, Kevin Chandler on here with We Carry Kevin, and he shared, we had him for a couple episodes, and he he got to share about his experience and what it's like to be confined to a, a wheelchair and a backpack. And and we got to hear his story and 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 pretty much unanimous feedback from that episode was, man, that that is hard. That's hard. And we and we got to listen and and because we listened, we were curious enough. We were curious and 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 we paid attention and we had some empathy and we became more empathetic. We we grew up some. We a little bit we were we left those conversations a little bit more spiritually mature than we started. We 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 developed, we grew. And and it was beautiful. We we had a we had a mini series, uh four episodes on on uh on spiritual abuse. And that was hard and it was heavy. And, and lots of feedback came in and, and maybe a few more frustrated emails, but, but all, in, all in good faith and all of them gracious and, and, and a couple phone calls and, and, and probably some frustration or some clarifying questions. But, but by the most, you know, for, for the most part, almost completely well-received, even when there was some questions or, or even pushback, well-received. People were curious. People demonstrated a certain level of empathy, and and when we were done with that mini series, my hope is, my belief is that we were we were better, we were better, we had grown, we had spiritually matured, we were and we we were maybe maybe a little bit closer, maybe on our way back to the garden because of those conversations. There was one conversation we had. And uh, it was a conversation that we had with Portia. And she was on the podcast to share her story. And I, I worked very hard to make sure I didn't make it political. I worked very hard on that episode to make sure that I didn't call out anybody else but myself. I, I didn't even call out Brent. I, I just... I wanted to model and practice personal curiosity and empathy. And I wanted to do it in front of other people, and I wanted to apologize for mistakes that I would make. It, it was maybe one of the most challenging learning curves that I've had in 216 episodes of the Bayma podcast. But it was good, and I came out of that so much better. All those emails and conversations that I got to have with Portia, I got to learn how to speak a language, and I got to understand somebody who wasn't like me and didn't have the same experiences as me, and I grew as a person, 
And I feel like maybe I got a little bit closer to the Garden of Eden. But I have never received as much negative feedback in the seven days that followed that episode. I received more negative feedback in one week, angry feedback, hateful feedback in one week that followed that episode than I have received in my entire career in ministry over 20 years. And it's not even close. I don't even have to sit back and think about it if, if that's an exaggeration. It was not even close. The accusations that I was in bed with critical race theory and promoting this political agenda and all... It was definitely one of the darkest things I have been through. And I don't want to make this about me and the things I've been through. Good grief. I'm, I'm simply just trying to say the, the response to that episode was stunning. And the irony was thick because what everybody was telling me was, why does everybody keep making this a problem? There is no problem here. There is no problem And in seven days, I received more angry, spiteful, frustrated emails than I have in my whole career. But there's no problem here. There's no problem. I I just, I wanted to bring that up and talk about it. Because we do have problems. And some things are easier to talk about to be curious and empathetic because some groups aren't really our enemies in the same way. Some of these things aren't about political parties or ideologies. Some of these things aren't about this people group that I can't stand or that belief system or that ideology. Some of these things are just, you know, it's, it it might be a conversation about autism or it might be a conversation about, you know, Kevin Chandler, and and we're all pretty much, we, it's easier for us to get on board with that. And then some of these conversations, they're electric. And I, and I don't, you know me, everybody, I don't, I don't, I don't have conversations on this podcast for the purpose of being provocative. I am no shock jock. That is not what we do here. But to be able to practice the principles of curiosity and empathy, Curiosity, empathy, to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly. I couldn't even have a conversation with somebody that I cared about. I I, I didn't know them well, but I cared about their story when they shared it. And I wanted to hear more because I want to get back to the garden. I want to get back. I want to learn how to speak. I want to learn how to listen. I want to learn how to love my enemies. I want to learn how to love my neighbors. I want to learn how to be the kind of, I want to learn how to be able to sit down and dine with anybody that shares the image of God. And and if I'm ever going to do that, it's going to require that I learn how to be curious and empathetic. But to be categorized with such broad accusations and, and broad strokes about, oh man. I just want to be about the gospel. 
frankly, I'm I don't I'm not even an expert in critical race theory. I, I haven't even read that much about it. I don't even know. And quite frankly, I'm not I'm not a politics junkie. But I was sure accused of being all those things. And again, I I, I want to stop. This isn't about me. I'm not trying to center myself here. I, at least I'm trying not to. I probably am. I'm learning about that too. It's part of my learning curve. It's part of what I learned that I do as a as the kind of person that I am who loves to have a microphone and and privilege and influence. I I love to be the center, and I I'm really good at making myself the center. It's a part of what I'm learning as I listen to other people, and I want to get better at that. So so here's the deal. Here's here's what I wanted to tell you as we. I hope there's plenty in this episode to think about and reflect on. And I, I'm not looking for, listen, do not email me with, well, well, just just don't email me. How about that? Don't email me with your anger and your how dare you's. Because if, if you're just, if you're that angry, they just, I just, you need to know they just get deleted. If you're just angry and spiteful, they just go in the trash. Um. But, but I'm also not looking for a bunch of emails about Marty, you hang in there and you keep going. Like, I, I, I know I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And I'm not that discouraged. I've been planning this episode for a long, long time. <laughs> I've been planning this conversation. I, I'm ready. Like, I, I'm not. Don't worry about Marty. I'm not going to bail. I, I don't need I don't need everybody's, you know, slaps on the back and kudos. That's, please don't don't waste your energy with that. That's not what we're doing here. But I I did want to to talk about this. I wanted to, I wanted to point at it and I wanted to recognize it and I wanted to acknowledge it out loud because we're not going to go away from this. And I don't care if it ruins the Bama podcast. We will not be going away from this just because a bunch of people got mad at me and sent me angry emails. We have to learn how to be curious, empathetic, and speak the language of other people. Now, I will also tell you that this is not going to become, that's not going to become the only tone and something you have to turn on the Baymop podcast. And we're going to grill you with this and that every single time you turn it on. And every three weeks, we're going to, nope, we're not going to do that either. But we are going to continually share on our platforms voices who are not like us. And we're not going to get crazy and make you be super uncomfortable and what. But we're going to share voices of people from the BIPOC community, black and brown brothers and sisters, those from the indigenous community, Asian community, people of color. We're going to have those voices on here. And sometimes we're going to talk to those voices about color. We're going to talk to them about race. We're going to talk to them about being a part of uh, of something that's just and shalom inspiring and and pursuing wholeness and relationships and restoring any inequities and inequalities and things that not everybody's going to agree with every single time. I, I, and sometimes we're going to have those same voices on the podcast and we're not even going to talk to them about those items. We're going to talk to them simply about the things that they do and the things that they love and the things that they create and the things that they write and the things that they lead. And it will have nothing to do with race or that issue but but we're gonna we're gonna lean into those voices because and maybe it's just me and everybody else is fine but i need to hear from them i i need to listen to them i need to be educated by and so many things because I am ignorant and I am selfish and I am rebellious and I am sinful and I, I'm me. 
And the way that I heal from some of that stuff is to allow other people to show me them because I, I see in them a reflection of myself, the beautiful and the ugly, because I see in them humanity and it helps me see my own. It's how we'll make it back to the garden. These curses are also roadmaps. And there are days where I feel like we are so far away. We're so far gone from ever being able. God said, let's just mix up their languages and they'll be scattered. And from there, verse nine, from there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. And there are days where it feels like, and there they will stay forever. But I want to dream of a day where some of those languages and voices and peoples and nations and tongues, isn't it interesting? That whenever anybody in the Bible gets an image of heaven, however that works, whether it's John in Revelation or the prophets, one of the things that almost every single one of them says about the age to come or, or heaven or the new Jerusalem, one of the, one of the, one of the things that almost everybody notices is that there's, there's people from every tongue and every tribe and every people and every nation. Because the, because the Tower of Babel and the subsequent confusion is not God's intent. The intent is to get us all back to the garden where we all get to be together. Or as Zechariah says it at the end of his prophecy, all the nations stream up to the temple of the Lord to celebrate the festival of Sukkot. Which if it's all nations streaming to the temple of the Lord, that must have been a pretty diverse party that Zechariah sees at the end of his prophecy. And I know that when I think about heaven, when I think about a world, the, uh, the world of my dreams, you know, one of the things that I've noticed over the past decade of my life is everybody in my vision looks a lot like me, which means my visions don't match the visions that God gives us. My visions, for some reason, have a whole lot of people that speak my language and and look like me and think like me, and we all just kind of are a big uniform group of monolithic goodness. And yet that's never what the Bible describes when it sees that, that picture and that image, which means I got some work to do. I, I've got some spiritual maturity to chase. I've got some character that God wants to develop in me. I, I've got a lot of work to do. And maybe, maybe you do too. And we want to be... What we do is not the end of the world. It's not, it's not the only thing that matters. It's, it's, just a, it's just one of many conversations that happens on a Thursday. But, but it's a conversation that can make a difference. And, and I, and I want to get better. So I appreciate you letting me share today. Um, I want to be curious. And I know that I that I think I know everything. I know. I know that I study. I've studied a lot, and I know that on my on my bad days, I I feel like I got a handle on all this. But to be honest, I don't. I I actually know how much I don't know, and it's a lot. And it's it's probably even more than I know that I don't know. And so that means I want to be more curious because I want to learn more. Because I know that learning done well with humility makes me a better person. I love you guys. I really do. And and I, I hope that at no part in there you heard me get angry at you as listeners. Sometimes I get frustrated at 
at the place we find ourselves in because I, I want to be a part of, uh, of the Eucharistic community. It was, I think it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer that talked about how when we fall in love with these idolatrous, perfect visions of community, we become the very people that sabotage the communities that are headed in that direction. <laughs> I don't want to be that. So uh, I, I want to be okay with who we are and where we're at today. And I want to be a part of putting those things back together and and charting a path back to Eden. So those are my thoughts, everybody. Uh, I just really appreciate you all. I appreciate the fact that even after we got done with session five and started experimenting with new ideas, so many of you continue to listen and continue to come with us. Um, I hope we can just keep stewarding all of us. I hope that every single one of us can steward all of these things in ways that honor that invest in the kingdom of God, that honor the things that God is doing to put the world back together. That's what I want to be a part about. That's what I want to be a part of. So those are my thoughts. Um, like I said, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people are going to flood me with emails after this episode for good and bad. And, and, and really, I, I mean this, you, you, I'll be okay. I promise that you can just receive this episode and, and, and be okay. Uh, and I'll be okay, and we're just going to keep getting better. But I, I leave that with you. Uh, I think maybe we'll we'll just close this episode, a little bit different episode today, and we'll just close this episode uh, with just an invitation to think and to ponder, and and um, and maybe maybe a prayer that we could we could be better, that God would shape us and mold us and guide us to look a little bit more like Jesus by the time this is all over with. So. Uh, again, love you guys. Thanks for listening to the Baymont podcast. You can find, uh, you can find us in all the normal places, but until the next time, we'll see you next, next week for the next episode. It was great to be able to share my heart today. Thanks everybody.